0: More than 350 emergency physicians across Ontario signed an open letter. It's addressed to fellow Ontarians. Hey, that's you and I. Uh, Dr. Christopher uh, Kiefer is an emergency room doctor in Toronto. Signed the name to the letter. Uh, Not sure if you're the one that actually wrote the letter, uh, Dr. Kiefer, but it's a pleasure to have you on to talk about it.
1: Kelly, thanks so much for having me. Yes, uh, I was the author of that letter. I got some input from some colleagues, uh, but that was me.
0: Okay. Um, Can you give us the gist of the letter since it's addressed to all of us fellow Ontarians?
1: For sure. For sure. I mean, so we're in an acute care nursing crisis. Um, Nurses uh, after, you know, 18 months of this pandemic are really struggling with burnout, with PTSD and and really feeling a fundamental lack of respect, uh, especially coming uh, from from the government. Um, You know, they haven't seen an increase in their wages on par with inflation for over a decade now um and you know unfortunately a lot of them are deciding to leave this this profession um and it's it's uh, a very very situ- serious situation um you know we're seeing in multiple departments across this province um sections of the emergency department having to be closed down um you know it's this classic thing of you know uh, at first we were worried we have enough equipment we'd have the mm-hmm. ventilators and things like that we're running out of out of personnel um and It's very rare for doctors to to do something like this. So I think this really points to the severity of the crisis.
0: Pre-pandemic, we had heard that there was a possible nurses uh, shortage looming. And here we are, you know, 18 months into the pandemic. Can you talk about how this has sped things up? And, you know, before the pandemic, did you see the writing on the wall?
1: Um, I have to confess, um, I don't think I was paying as close attention now. Um, but certainly, you know, over the last couple of months, as I was saying, we've had to shut down a large area, um, in, in our department. And I've heard this is a common thing across the province from some of my other physician colleagues, because there just weren't the nurses there to staff it. You know, we're heading into a fourth wave. Now we have the Delta variant, which is far more contagious. And the idea of cramping patients into smaller areas when we have the physical space, but we just don't have the nurses to work it, I think was really the the wake up call for me.
0: Can you describe how a critical care nurse differs from other nurses? Because I'm hearing that uh, recent graduates have had to step into positions that possibly they're not qualified for. What sets a critical care nurse apart from the others?
1: You know, it's interesting. I've been talking with some of my colleagues, and you know, I think within the profession they've been trying to change the word from nurse um, to something else that reflects that this is a you know a highly skilled profession across the board, but particularly in acute care or in critical care nursing, Um, you know, it's a teamwork, the things that we do, these complex resuscitations, literally bringing the dead back to life in many cases. Um, You know, there's a couple doctors at the bedside, there's at least three or four nurses, um, and they're vital to making sure that things get done, that things get done well. So the fact that we're seeing um, nurses with years of experience, um, you know, leaving this profession is is an absolute tragedy, and they can't just be replaced um, with with a, a new nurse fresh out of uh, nursing school. And, and that's, that's that's putting that's putting lives at risk. I'll, I'll be honest.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking, like, what happens when a code is called? If you've got a shortage of nurses in the in the emergency room, there's a code called, and then there's another code called
1: down yeah, the way. I mean- we're we're terrified of that, and I think you know it's it's kind of like what if uh, there was a fire and uh, there weren't enough firefighters, right? Like there's enough fire engines, but uh, but there's not enough firefighters to to uh, to run them. Like that's that's kind of the situation we feel like we're heading into. Um, you know, and, and it's 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 not acceptable for us. And I think that's why, you know, doctors in unprecedented numbers have signed on to this letter. Again, this is 350 emergency physicians. We had a lot mm-hmm. of pressure to open it up more broadly. You know, ICU uh, doctors, and others wanted to get involved. But we thought, listen, you know, we're, we're speaking to an environment that we know well that we'd like to advocate for. So we, we, we kept it to just emergency doctors. And, and you've seen, again, over 350 signing on to this letter.
0: The letter calls on Ontario to join healthcare workers in pushing the province of to repeal Bill One Twenty Four. Last week, we had on the head of the Nurses Association, who was talking about that very thing. Can you just talk about how limiting that bill is for nurses and how limiting that bill is um, for actual patients?
1: Right. I mean. It's, it's a bill that's fundamentally is a wage suppression bill. Um, I think it's, I'm forgetting the exact title of it, but it's ironically called something about sort of creating a sustainable public service. Um, this is anything but sustainable, um, seeing precious human resources leaving this profession. And I have to say that, you know, I've been personally inspired by a group of nurses. Um, nurse sign 416 is the Instagram handle to follow. Um, you know, who have, despite being burned out, suffering with PTSD, um, seriously thinking about leaving a profession that they love, um, taken on in their spare time this kind of grassroots activism. It's it's really, I think, what's what's inspired me.
0: I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like knowing, you know, being in a ER, I had to go into the emergency room during this pandemic. And while I was there, the nurse was so calm, cool, collected. I know she was running around. I could see her kind of passing the the door to go to other people and spending time and giving the care. And that was required. But if that nurse is suffering PTSD and we're hearing stories throughout this pandemic, we've heard stories of uh, nurses like crying in their car before they go into work Mm -hmm. and just, you know, taking a moment to, you know, talk to whatever higher power they believe in to just get them through one more shift. Like that to me is terrifying as a potential patient. How, you know, even if we do, uh, get the Ford government to listen and go back because we've seen them backtrack on other things. Repeal yeah. Bill 124. And even if nurses do in, receive a pay increase, what happens to, we're taking care of them financially, but how does that, uh, help take care of them mentally, emotionally? Uh, like what? Well, average-
1: what, what yeah, I mean, first, let me get, try and give you a picture of why this has been so hard on, on nurses in particular. I mean, nurses are the ones who spend the most time at the bedside, right? And I don't know if, if you know, any of your listeners have had a, a family member who's been in hospital, maybe particularly an elderly family member. It's been a horrible experience. We've had very strict uh, visitor restriction policies, no family at the bedside. So the nurses yeah. had to step in and be that family. You know, in the emergency department, unfortunately, we do see a lot of death. As an emergency doctor, I, I don't know enough about the patients for it to have such a severe emotional impact on me. But nurses accompanying those patients, filling in for the family members, they learn everything about that patient. And they're the ones holding their hands, looking into their eyes maybe as they get intubated, knowing that there's a 50-50 chance that this patient's you know, not going to get off a ventilator. So that's that's part of why I think it's been so hard in terms of the PTSD. But I mean, let me tell you, I mean, as a medical resident, I'm an emergency specialist now, but, you know, you rotate through all the different care areas. You know, eMERGE nurses are tough. You know, the things that they face, you know, unfortunately, um, a lot of abuse. Um, there's a lot of physical violence, uh, emotional violence against nurses. These are tough, tough professionals. Um, and not just in the parking lot, but to see, you know, nurses breaking down at work, crying at work um, is it's it's, shocking to me. It's unbelievable. I mean, they're only human. It makes mm-hmm. sense. But um, again, these are some of the toughest people that you'll come across.
0: As you said that, I realized, you know, I'm running down my past and my experience. Of, I've had two roommates that have been nurses, both of them ER nurses. They are no nonsense. They hold it all together. They're incredible. They're very um, detail oriented and they are tough as nails. You're right. So to, to hear that we're not only losing nurses that cl- are incredibly dedicated incredibly yeah. dedicated to their, to their jobs. It is, uh, it's shameful. I hear a lot of them are heading to the States as well because they're, you know, the incentives to go work down South are huge.
1: Well, and I mean, you know, Emerge is, I think one of the most challenging care environments, right? Like, you know, if, if uh, you know, if there's a, a disaster and, or if there's, there's a shortage there on the nursing floors or in the ORs, you know, they can choose to say, you know what, it's not safe for us to, to do surgeries. We're not meeting a certain standard, here. So we're going to have to sh- close a few operating rooms um, in the emergency department. We have to take whatever we're dealt and just mm-hmm. adapt. Right. And I think that leads to us often adapting too much and not not raising a stink about you know, issues that are fundamentally going to result in issues of safety. Um, so we're used to rolling with the punches, used to adapting. So if you're hearing a cry for help like this, um, coming from the nurses themselves, trying to alert Ontarians to the fact that their healthcare is in crisis, and that's being backed up by physicians, I think that's something that's very important to listen to. We, we don't do this very often, particularly mm-hmm. as, you know, frontline grassroots kind of advocacy
0: How confident are you that, uh, that the Ford government who, you know, are right now considering vaccine passports are going to heed your call here?
1: i'm confident they will they will you know at the beginning of this pandemic um you remember 7 pm would come around and everyone would go on their front porches or their balconies and bang pots and pans i think ontarians are going to listen to this message and be inspired and stand alongside their nurses and their frontline healthcare workers um and you know whether that's banging a pot and pan or whether that's you know talking to your politicians um following again nurse with sign 416 on instagram um to see what sort of uh things are being planned um, I think the Ford government's going to have to listen, and I, I think they'll be reasonable on this. Um, they're gonna—they—they care about getting elected again, and this is mm-hmm. going to become a real election issue.
0: Doctor uh, Kiefer, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time today.
1: Hey, thanks for making the time. It's—it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Cheers.